if you're going to copy an entire business model like you got to do it better because otherwise why would someone go for the copy instead of the original i feel like it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself though i don't know that mm. you have to do it better i think i would maybe like modify that in my own perspective and say if you're gonna copy do it for a specific audience is actually the easiest way to do it do it for a niche you know they say women shouldn't be bossy we're out here reclaiming that word what's so wrong with being the boss i'm tara reed the ceo of a multi-million dollar edtech business and I'm Katie Gaddy Tossan, better known as Money with Katie on the internet. At our core, we're driven by a shared ambition to build our own mini empires. Welcome to Bossy. One of the things that I feel like I'm really getting out of doing this show with you is that we get an opportunity to ask each other questions kind of in real time. So yeah. kind of meta in that way because we'll be talking about business or things in the past but it's like we're both still in it we're both still running the businesses yeah so. and give each other advice yeah so yeah. one of the things that i actually would love to get your opinion on is the fact that i feel like i really struggle with staying in my lane and not comparing myself and our progress to mm. other people and brands in our competitive set. So I feel like I have a tendency to look around and be like, well, what are they doing? And if it seems like they're growing faster, I'm like, oh, well, maybe maybe we should be doing that. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because I think that sometimes it's useful to look at what other people are doing as inspiration, mm -hmm. but maybe not useful if it's making you feel icky and like making you feel like you're behind and I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Those I, are two different ways at looking at someone, though. Are you looking at people for inspo or are you looking at people for shaming yourself? I think it's it's probably more the latter because it's like a, hey, let me see. I, I got a benchmark, right? How mm. are we doing? Let me see how we fall in this lineup. And so... It's difficult, though, to determine is this productive because it's giving me ideas or is this counterproductive because it's distracting me from what I really should be focused on, which is executing the vision that we currently have. But it's, you know, sometimes you feel like oh, I might be missing stuff if I'm two heads down and I'm not paying attention to anything that others are doing. Am I just in my own little world and like falling behind? Yeah, no, that's hard because I think a lot of times when we're looking at other people's businesses, things other people are doing, we're doing it mindlessly. We're kind of just like scrolling, mm. seeing what they're, they're doing or we heard something and overheard it. And it's not like we're intentionally thinking like, am I looking at this for inspiration or am I looking at this to like kind of push, like see what else someone is doing to see what I'm not doing. We're not even aware of that a lot of times. I think actually as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing it might be useful to be more aware of it when you're doing it. Like I'm gonna look at this person and I'm gonna look for inspo. Cause when you're looking for inspiration, it just feels different and then it becomes productive. Cause it's possible that someone's doing something that's useful that you could learn from. Like I don't think that it makes sense to run a business and like have your eyes closed the entire time to what the whole industry is doing. That's not productive maybe and I think I have seasons sometimes I'm looking at what people are doing sometimes I'm like totally heads down I don't know what anybody is doing not consuming a lot of other people's stuff so I do think that there's a balance but I think the way you have to look at other people's stuff is through the lens of inspiration not self-shame so intentionality and almost embracing the fact that I'm going out I'm seeking out this information because I want the inspiration 
maybe even the imitation. It's like, what am I actually going to proactively go out and get versus like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to open my phone and oh, look, like there's someone that, oh my gosh, wait, what are they? It's, it's like there's that flustered vibe to it where yeah. you kind of just immediately start like dogging on yourself. Yeah. I think that's where it goes goes poorly. I think the reason that we often dog on ourselves and get hard on ourselves about looking at other people and what they're doing is because we feel like, oh, I can't do what they're doing. Like we have this shame in our culture around copying. Yeah. Like copying is a bad thing. Or I'll, if I use another word though, drawing inspiration, like sometimes we're more okay with that. But like at the same, at the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? We feel like it's not good to copy someone else's business, to copy what someone else is doing with their brand. And so we, our brains almost just don't go there when we're looking at what someone's doing. We don't go, okay, what are the things I'm inspired by that I want to do? And so it's, you can't go there. Then you just go to like, what are the things I can't, they're doing that I can't do? Oh, they're doing better than me. Like it's so easy to go into the doom when you've locked off and closed the door to being able to be inspired by them and doing some of the things that they're doing. Because there are lots of companies out there that just straight up copy other pieces. I would say most companies are doing pulling, copying inspiration from other places. You know who's the best at this? Who? Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook? This is Meta's entire business model. This is their entire business model. He is the king of effectively plagiarizing other businesses. And he gets away with it. It's like their entire roadmap. They what is, snipe the best of everything. Snipe or no sniping. Snipe See, or no sniping. Even we think it's bad to do Except that. keep sniping. Sniper keep sniping. Because you have an $800 billion market cap. So clearly something is working for That's you. also, this is like how big companies, Facebook is a big, or Meta is a big company now. This is how it yeah. works. You go look at what other people are doing. That's why people acquire businesses. That's how, that's the game, really. It's their, their Frankenstein's monster, though, of everything that has ever been popular in social. So it's like he sits back. He says, I'm going to watch everyone else spend their money on the R&D and spend <laughs> their time on the R&D. And then once they get something that's taken off, I'm going to first offer to buy them. And if they say no, then I'm going to say, OK, well, stories, those are mine now. Oh, oh they going definitely live, took that's that. mine now. So I actually so it's <sighs> Facebook. That was MySpace. Facebook was his spin on MySpace, right? Mm. That already was out there. Or Friendster. What was the spin? Whatever it was. What was the spin? He made it. He elevated it. He made it more elitist because it was yeah. like only a Harvard EDU email address could get on this site. And it felt like an adult version of MySpace. And mm. so it kind of had this cachet that MySpace didn't have. And so it felt a little less juvenile, I think. Interesting. But that's a pretty small spin. That really, the only spin there in a big way is target market, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to go after this specific niche target of Harvard students, eventually all college students, eventually everybody and their mamas now on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But like starting- And like only the mamas. Now it's just my grandma at no, this point. Just, like, she's just like, <laughs> like I can't remember the last time. But 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 that's the thing is like then like Periscope and Clubhouse got big, and then they added mm -hmm. Facebook Live. I remember Periscope. I really yeah okay. Where'd they go? No, they're nowhere now because there's Facebook and Instagram Live. Snapchat was gaining momentum. Boom! Now we got stories. By the way, Instagram. He just bought them. He said, you know what? That's cooler now, and all the kids want to be on that. I'm just gonna buy it. So do you think of this as, as a bad strategy? Like, do you feel a little mm, about well, that practice? I mean, define bad because it's clearly working. It's for working. It. It's working. But I think it's it's one of those things to your point. Like culturally, we have such an aversion to the idea of copying other people because it seems like, oh, it's not fair. Oh, you're cheating. Oh, but I mean, 
uh, I, like TikTok, that's another popular one. TikTok got really popular kind of out of nowhere during the pandemic. It was originally that app Musical.ly, and then it became TikTok, and then everyone was on TikTok, oh. and then they were like real. Musical.ly? They were a totally different mm-hmm. product and then pivoted. Yep. Okay, got it. And then the Instagram launched Reels. And so yeah. I think now I think they're doing the broadcast channels, which is basically a riff on Discord. Mm. And then they're obviously, I think they noticed that Twitter slash X was kind of ooh, down the tubes and they were like <laughs> threads. And Poor you know, my, my favorite thing about threads is the way that they pitched it. Like the brand positioning of threads was like, it's like Twitter, but people are nice to you. Yeah. Okay. No, listen, I forgot about this because Instagram <laughs> has a Twitter like product too. Now I'm actually refusing to use it, I'm just like I can't. I am another too. one. I'm I'm I will eventually probably end up being there, but I'm just like holding off. Okay, so I forgot that they also you were bringing up all these good examples of Facebook just like swiper keep swiping. And I think those things have worked for them. I will say that like I worked at Meta when they made the switch. It was my second week of working for Facebook, and they go, "We're Meta now." I was like, "Oh." Okay, Mm. interesting timing. But that was the first, in my opinion, their first big bet on we're going to get in front of something. The metaverse and this big Web3 virtual reality thing, they weren't really, I mean, they bought Oculus. So in some sense, they didn't invent the idea. The headsets, the like crazy clunky things that no one is going to wear until they look cool because no one's going to put something hideous on their face. The nerd bros will use it yeah yeah the, the, the nerd now. bros are good but that's a tiny little segment of the market, <laughs> the market right size of nerd that's bros. not a you can't <laughs> yeah. make a billion dollars off the nerd bros but but i think uh that was their first time that they like really tried something that was fully their own in their own bet and like the consensus about that was floptopia it's floptopia facebook so has far. been promising metaverse stuff for a while first of all they did like i don't even fully know what it even means i don't think they what it means they don't even know I what think it means they're like this is where we see things going and we're gonna figure it out but they're trying to like stake their claim on it you know but i'm like that's just interesting to me because because th- why are people really staying right like why are we still on instagram why are people still on facebook i think we're seeing people aging out a little bit of these different platforms and so mm, you have to keep innovating keep but like all of it ladders up to keeping and monetizing eyeballs. Yeah. And to me, their biggest risk is not that these platforms are they're going to lose the eyeballs. They have what? Like 3 billion monthly active users. Like you basically have half the world's population on your product. There's not much more room Jeez. to grow. Yeah. Anyone with an inter- internet connection is on the product, but the fact that I think the like the iOS 14 privacy thing to me is a bit of an indicator of where the trouble could be on the horizon, which is that if your entire business model is ads yeah then if no one is paying you directly and you rely on that targeting they they probably will keep innovating to find ways to do that yeah but that's that is a big risk for them i think like far more of an existential risk than like they're just ripping off the best features of everybody else and they they launched like meta verification that's like what two billion dollars a year out of the hundreds of billions of dollars that they make on, I mean, it's just like a tiny, tiny little piece of the puzzle. One of the things, when I hear about Facebook doing this, and I think you've actually pulled out like a bunch of examples, so it's really clear and in my face right now, 
it kind of feels like it gives me permission to lean into this too. Like in our culture, we have this like, don't copy anybody thing, value. And now when I see big companies like Facebook doing it, I'm like, okay, well, like if it's working for Facebook, literally in this scenario, it works really well for Facebook and scenarios where they try to do their own thing, like the metaverse, it's like, well, what are they even doing? It's kind of a flop thus far. So that's actually the thing that's working. That's the blueprint thus far. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with following a blueprint. Right. And one of those blueprints is in business, go find things that people are doing successfully. It could be in a different industry. It could be in a different lane. But take that kind of put your own little spin on it. It doesn't have to be a massive spin. A little spin is fine and go forward with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That kind of gives me permission. I think I'm feeling inspired more to do this because this is something I yeah. think about a lot. I, I know that when we started this show, we talked about inspiration and things we liked and things we didn't like out there. And I think when you're starting a business, you absolutely should do that. Yeah. You should look at what's out there already that I like, what's out there already that I don't like. I often talk to people a lot when they have like app ideas and they go like, oh, okay, well, I first need to figure out if someone's already doing it because mm -hmm. if they are, then I should stop. And you're like, wrong. Wrong, <laughs> wrong. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, when you go down the grocery aisle, how many brands of bread are in there? There's just like a whole aisle of different brands of bread doing a slightly different spin on mm -hmm. it, right? Facebook's a little spin on MySpace. People are already kind of doing things, and you have to look at that. So when we started this show, we talked a lot about this podcast that we like called My First Million yep. and how we wanted to do sort of like a girl talk women's version of that where they talk about business, they talk about tactics, mm -hmm. and they just sort of talk about their lives. And you get to sort of chronicle and see them growing and expanding as business people, as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I don't think we ever went like, oh, that's a bad thing that we're talking about, an example that we like and things that we want to do and sort of take from that. I, I, I don't feel bad about that. Did you ever feel bad about no, that? No, well, because I think it was someone even in the reply tweet when we said we were going to do the show, someone was like, oh, it's, so it's my first million for women. And I was like, sure, if that's how you want to think about it. Yeah. But I think we looked at the show and said, we this show resonates with both of us. Also, by the way, Tara is not like an avid podcast listener like I am. I listen to podcasts constantly. My first million is like the only podcast that Tara listened to. It was the only one I really knew. It was knew. the only one she yeah. liked. And I'm like, well, that says something, right? Yeah. Because there must be something about that show that's entertaining enough for you to want to engage in a medium that you don't even particularly enjoy. Yeah. And so I think when I looked at my first million, I said, what do I like about this show? What are they doing really, really well, better than everyone else? Their chemistry is amazing. Mm. I don't know Sam or Sean personally, but I, and I also don't really tend to like listening to shows that are broy. but I would be like <laughs> on my walk listening to my first million and I'm just, I'm grinning, walking down the street like an idiot, just yeah. smiling to myself because they just make, it's just entertaining. I like that you feel like a fly on the wall of like mm -hmm. two friends talking to each other and sort of strategizing and thinking about things. I liked that element and we talked about that too. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like there's an element of aspirational relatability to them where like I, I do not feel like I'm on their level, but I feel like by listening to them, I could get there. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that saying of you're the average of the five persons you spend the most time with. I was like, okay, well, here's two people to add to my rotation that are going to elevate my thinking and my game a little bit. But there are things I don't like about it too. 
Yeah. Like, I think that it is a little bro-y. And sometimes I feel kind of, like, out of the club a little bit. Because I'm like, I don't know that these two people would actually, like, enjoy being around me. Because I'm, it just feels a little bit, like, I'm one thing removed from them kind of culturally, which may, which like I think was a barrier. Whereas I think that's something that we were both thinking is like, there's probably a large contingent of people that would feel the exact same way. A lot of women mm. that would like to listen to women talk about business yeah, instead. Right. Can you imagine though, if we had been like, okay, in the mindset of like swipe or no swiping, we're not going to look at what people are doing, we're gonna actively be in this energy of like, we don't wanna copy anyone. Like, don't let, like, let's not look at that. I feel like we would not be creating the show in the same way. We wouldn't be like evolving and expanding the same way. I think we would have been an imposter syndrome and like it would have gotten been harder for us to get started because we didn't have a couple blueprints of things that we liked that we wanted to go after. I think it's actually made us more productive. And when I see people who are in the energy of like not finding kind of like something that they want to walk in the direction towards it leaves you kind of aimless actually it's hard to get started we'll be right back to the conversation after a quick break take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business you can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, back to the show. I think one thing that I've realized as a content creator on the internet is that there is no such thing as an original idea. No. Everything is a riff on something else. Yes, 100%. I think this has always been something that I have understood. Mm. Because growing up, my dad is a jazz musician. In in jazz music, this concept of like not only improving but but referencing other pieces of music is a good thing. It's almost like an homage to the masters of the past. In fact, there's this little like... Like I call it like the jazz musician's giggle that I notice like my dad and his friends do when they go out and hear music. And what they do is like they hear a little reference. Sometimes I don't even know the reference. Right. But someone will be playing the trumpet or will be playing the piano and they'll play just like in their original or in their song a little snippet of somebody else's. And then the it's kind of like it's an inside sample. joke. It's an inside it's like joke. It. And everybody has this delight. Mm. this delight that you put in a little copy of someone like it's a delightful thing and everybody feels respected that's by beautiful. it it's, yeah and so I think that's really shaped my view of it but I do think this concept around copying has been something that's been a point of contention with me and my friends I have two friends in particular who like really value not copying it's like that's a that's a value to them and I think I really value my ability I think I'm a really good copier to be honest, like I think it's one of my superpowers that like and it extends to like I scrolled Instagram and I saw some girl with a cool bow outfit. And so I'm like, I want one, too. Mm -hmm. Like that would be cool for me, too. Or like I'm going to put my little spin on it. But like I want to do that, too. I think I get a lot of joy, that little giggle out of doing that and having that experience. But I think it's been like a point of contention with some of my friends who have totally different values. I think about there's this book, you know, Steal Like an Artist? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Like they have a couple principles in that book. One of them is what you said already. Nothing's original. 
like the book starts with that premise that like everything's a remix everything's a mashup so like don't really stress about this i feel this way interestingly with fashion where like every single thing you are wearing came from some designer on some runway that was a reference of some other designer that was a reference of some other designer and like you're probably we're all wearing knockoffs of something or some spin-off of something we just don't even know it cue the devil wears prada scene What's where she's scene? like cerulean you think that you just plucked that out of a bargain bin but really oscar de la renta and he she like traces the lineage of her cerulean sweater yes. and annie's just standing there like holy shit like what have i gotten myself into same thing with business same thing with every little darn thing that you're doing is a reference of something else so that's what the book is saying also the book is saying like there's another principle of like stealing from many Yes. That that you don't necessarily want to steal from one person. You diversify your influences so that the mixed pot together ends up being something totally quote unquote, different. original. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Also, there's this principle in the book about not waiting to know who you are to get started. And I think a lot of Ooh. people are like, I got to figure out exactly who I am, exactly what I want the business to do, exactly what my stance is. And then I get, get can get started. And the whole idea is like you figure out what your unique combo is by starting that referencing. The way you get to understanding what your business, how your business is gonna be unique, how you're gonna be unique is by referencing and seeing what you like and don't like. And like, that's the practice of getting there. Um, and then also like this concept of like creativity and subtraction. Cause once you start copying things, you can then start removing things and having limitations in your creative process and your entrepreneurial process and not having like everything come easy to you is a really good thing in creating creativity and new things. But you, the whole premise is you got to start by referencing and copying. Mm. You know, what's funny too, is that there are examples. I think of like an Airbnb. When they started Airbnb, there was already some shitty website out there on the internet that allowed you to either swap places with someone. Craigslist. Like couch surf. Yeah. That was already out there. But what yep. they did, it was they differentiated through the branding and through the user interface where they added a layer of ease and trust and safety that wasn't in the original idea. Little spin. Little spin. little spin. And even little things on the website where, for example, I remember when I was in user experience work, we would look at their website a lot because they were very intentional about even the, the tiniest things of how much space are we going to give the host to describe their place. Most mm. websites will give you a block of text this big. And that signals to the user, I'm supposed to write a block of text. Ah. They gave you one line. And so the, the host is like, oh, how do I succinctly explain this? So it's even in those tiny design choices where they are iterating away from the original and differentiating and then basically just gobbling up market share as a result of that. Yeah, 100%. So why reinvent the wheel, right? Like we've made jokes about this before, um, like specifically in the sales funnel episode, we talked about this because chances are if there's something you want want to be doing someone else is probably already doing it mimicking strategy is is totally fair game but yeah. i think the one way airbnb example notwithstanding one way to get away with it is to if you're going to copy an entire business model like you got to do it better because otherwise why would someone go for the copy instead of the original i feel like it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself though i don't know mm. that you have to do it better 
I don't know that I think if you go in with that pressure on yourself of I can copy it, but I can only do it if I do it better. Then you're like putting you start doing things and optimizing things for better as opposed to like for your customer. I think I would maybe like modify that in my own perspective and say if you're going to copy, then you want to put your do it for a specific audience is actually the easiest way to do it. Do it for a niche. That there's actually a, such a good example of that out of Germany in the 1990s. Okay, so th this is cr a crazy story. In 1999, three German brothers in their early 20s found eBay. They saw like American eBay. Yeah. And they were like, we should make this for Germans. So there, it's like <laughs> a regional exploitation, right? You're taking advantage of the fact that you have a different customer base. They duplicated the eBay model almost exactly like straight copy and within four months they sold it to ebay for 43 million dollars they got a they literally Dang. they didn't even run that thing for a hundred days and they exited for 43 million dollars and sold it to the and company they copied from yes and so the the learnings are like it's interesting because in the 1990s, I didn't know this until I started looking into this story. Germany was like five years behind the United States in terms of like e-commerce development. So th those brothers were very smart to be like, well, if we're kind of like pacing behind them, we could just that's like a time portal to the future. Just yeah. go look at what's happening Ooh, in the U.S. A and time copy it. portal to the future. That like yeah. really hit my soul. Oh. Well, thank you. I like I like the idea. A little of time, time portal, yeah. yeah. That like copying is like you just getting into Ooh, a time portal. Yeah. yeah, you're just like using a superpower. I love this. Okay, I'm using that idea. And this was also an interesting challenge, though, because 80 percent of Germans at the time did not even have credit cards. So, have you ever tried to buy something online without a credit card? <laughs> it's pretty yeah. hard. You can't. And but it's like they weren't even really being innovative. They just saw a gap in their market, something that hadn't been done there before, mm. and then they exploited it. So I'm like, some things really are layups. Starbucks is another example. Starbucks, Howard Schultz started Starbucks in I think 1971, and mm -hmm. they sold espresso makers and beans. So like, yeah, they weren't a coffee. It wasn't like a place that you went and hung out. It was like a crate and barrel ass. Like you go or to have a, a made cup of coffee. Yeah, like you, you get your beans there and you go home and make the cup yes. of coffee. Yeah, and then he went to Europe, and he's like, oh. These Europeans got these places where they go and drink. They sit down and drink it. Like, they stay there. They chill. He comes back to America. He's like, we're going to do that. And now there's a Starbucks on every block. So it's wow. like same thing. There's like a little bit of like call. It's, it's not but just for a, regional. But for a but niche audience. Yeah. Because, because you can't. That's, that's a really interesting example, the Starbucks one. Because the way that Europeans, for example, kind of like have this chill. Well, they'll like stay at the restaurant and like kind of continue there all day. Like. Once you put that in America for a different audience, niche audience, maybe not niche, but a different audience, it has a whole different feel to it, mm -hmm. right? Starbucks does not exactly feel like a European That's cafe. That's a fair point. You're and right. the reason why is because the Americans bring the, like, rushing sense of anxiety. Like, everybody's like, so we're going like, to work. Yeah, in there, right? we're just gonna like work and hustle, and in instead of like chill and talk, but like that's all we you got need. The mobile app, and we're ordering ahead of time. We're running in, we're getting our drink, we're running back out. Being mad American, but Howard like, Schultz is like, "Fuck, that's not what I wanted to do." Well, that, but that was enough. That all you had to do was put it in front of a different customer, and that was enough to make the whole vibe different. Mm, it became so you, something. Different. You don't have to do yeah. the big spin. What are some places where you have copied things in your own business? My core product. The whole darn thing. Well, yes and no. Yeah. 
So back when I started Money with Katie, I didn't know how to make, I had no idea how to monetize it. I was like, well, I'm going to talk about money and we'll see what happens. But there was another creator that I liked who, who to this day is still anonymous. It's like an anonymous personal finance account. And she had a personal finance dashboard basically that was hey it's i'm i built this thing that like it's my system for managing money and i'm gonna sell it to you on etsy and i remember seeing like she had made like forty thousand dollars in a year selling this spreadsheet and i was like oh wait i can just like put my own money management system into a spreadsheet and sell it to people like that's what an amazing idea so it's not like i've like i've never actually seen the inside of hers but it was just conceptually i was like oh i didn't think i didn't even think that someone would like pay for something like that but seeing her do it i was like cool so then i made my own and it was completely different it was my own spin on it yeah but the concept of the product itself was me looking at someone else and going that's an interesting way to monetize i'm gonna try that i definitely would say a good chunk i'm gonna go ahead and say 75 to 85% of my business has been copied or pulled from some source, multiple different sources, but some source for sure. At the beginning, I was really inspired by Pat Flynn and sort of what he was doing and sort of how he was building a business. Um, Also really inspired by this guy, Brian Harris, and then my friend, Danielle, um, who had courses. And I actually was working on Collecto when I moved to work on apps.code, and she had helped me build art collecting school for Collecto, which was sort of like a marketing engine for our service. And I learned about doing courses and how that all works. But there were a lot of pieces of inspiration that I drew from her. So I would say like a really big chunk of my business came from some other reference point, which is interesting going back to how we feel about the culture of swipe or no swiping. It's a bad thing to steal. But if you actually look at what people are actually doing, that's all they're doing. It's almost Mm -hmm. like the little secret about it all. Oh, I like that. That framing's good. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the dirty little secret is that everyone's kind of copying each other. Dirty little secret. And now you're probably going to be a reference point for other people. I know I am. That's the funny part. And I love that. It just continues down the chain. I love that. I get a little like, I get the jazz musician smirk on my face the that jazz smile giggle. the jazz giggle at like when I see people do stuff and I'm like oh like because to me that shows me how powerful of a person I am oh it's a compliment to me mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and also it's like a showing that like as my work whatever I'm doing to work on myself and expand myself as an entrepreneur like that's not only been useful for me but it's also useful like in multiplier to other people like that makes me feel good I like that. I also think so. Okay, if I I assume there are people that listen to our show who maybe don't even who have not started businesses yet. Yeah, but want to Mm -hmm. and go, well, how could I how could I use this? I think an interesting way to do this is to use a website called Flippa, F-L-I-P-P-A dot com. Yeah, it's used to buy businesses but you can use this to find businesses that you could copy, businesses that are oh. for sale, right? So if you're not sure what type of business you should build or maybe you're still in those early days, go see what others are building. Maybe you have a, a concept, an idea. Maybe you're an artist and you make custom prints and you're like, how could I, Etsy would be another good site for this too. Yeah. Like popular Etsy shops and 
But what I like about Flippa is that because they're listing businesses for sale, you can sort by monthly cash flow. Oh, so not and look at the good ones. The you can look at the good ones. ones. And not all of them are going to show you the details. Some of them will hide the name and just show you like numbers that you couldn't go and actually match up cash flow to business. Yeah. But, but I would say like 25% of them, it's like it's all out there. So you could see, okay, this art shop is doing 20000 a month, and this is their website. All right, well, now I'm going to go to their website. And then you can basically blueprint, like, this product is now creating this, you know, amount of yeah. cash flow. And so I was looking for examples of this online. I saw this self-moving pet ball. So it's kind of like this little toy for dogs okay. that has, like, a motor or something inside of it. So it moves of its own volition, and then the dogs, like, chase it around. They chase it. Okay. It's pretty cute. And so the guy's basically just drop shipping. Yeah. It's really just drop shipping. So drop shipping basically means you as the seller are the middleman between the buyer and the distributor. So you are really just the only thing that you're really influencing is not the product, but the branding and the e-commerce checkout, you know, that type of experience around it, the marketing, those pieces of the business versus having to like come up with the product. So you look at the site, you see what they're selling, you go find the product, assess your margin, and then you test and learn from there. So this one guy was doing this with the ball. He started experimenting with TikTok ads. And so he would make videos with his dog and the product. And then he would basically just put out a teammate, a TikTok profile, put out a ton of videos. And then once a video started to do well, he'd put some ad spend behind it. Yeah. And at first it like wasn't doing anything or he'd be getting views, but they weren't translating to sales. So then he would test and learn from there. And then I would say probably within a month, he started doing a couple hundred dollars in sales per day. Yeah. So he basically went from like, <laughs> has nothing, no product, no inventory, no idea to yeah. like, oh, now we're actively making money doing this okay and you saw this on flippa i saw this on like i saw this story online about oh, someone that did this that had done this okay got it so i'm copying his story right now for the purpose of this episode mm -hmm. all very meta and then i actually do know a guy in real life that did this who he worked at southwest at the same time that i did and he launched a drop shipping site called bison coolers and they basically sold yeti knockoffs so it's like a, it was yeah. like a product that was copying yeti and was selling them at a lower price point with different branding and now they have all sorts of tumblers cooler sizes whatever they just started with this one cooler <laughs> right and ran paid ads to the site and what have you and copied yeti and copied Yeti. so people are searching yeti cooler i'm sure they're like buying some of the keywords or whatever so that like their site's popping up instead aren't they expensive Yeti coolers? coolers? Yes, yeah. very okay. much so. They're so very like a premium product. Big market for any price variation because mm -hmm. some people might be on a budget and want something like that. Yes. Okay. This guy, before he quit at Southwest, Bison Coolers was doing $20 million a year in revenue before he left his full-time job. Which I'm like, why didn't you what? leave three years ago? But yeah, yeah, you need to take your butt and go work on the business. If you're making $20 million and still moonlighting. Yeah. What are you doing? I what know. Is go I want to know what was going on in his head, but I digress. But I think it's just like some founders are very mission driven. The product is like their baby. Mm. Other people are truly just good entrepreneurs who are savvy and can see gaps and might be like, oh, if I'm just trying to differentiate something that already exists. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a portal to the future. A portal. That to is the, the shortcut.
It's right? the portal to the future. Okay, so one of the things that we've been experimenting with on this show is kind of doing some workshopping and working with folks who are listening and watching so that they can generate some of the same ideas for their businesses or their future businesses that we're talking about on the show. So, and by the way, I got this idea of asking people to comment in YouTube to kind of workshop their own ideas from workshops that I do in Apps Without Code, which I then copied from workshops that I saw other people do. So we're full circle mm -hmm. copying people. So I want to try an activity with y'all. Okay. If you can go to YouTube, because we can see everybody's comments on YouTube. So go to YouTube and comment into the chat one business or brand that you really like and aspire to be like that maybe you could emulate something from, you could draw inspiration from. And also, if you can add to that, what's the one thing that you like that they do, that the specific thing is that you could lean into for inspiration? So one business that you like and one thing that they do specifically that you would love to lean into. I love we're it. embracing the the copy the copy inspo I love it well then uh, I will also make the shameless plug if we're if we're uh, doing that yeah we're doing activities we're doing activities to share the show with a friend if you're enjoying it and you are like all in the well name pending the boss house boss house <laughs> the boss house H A U S the H A U S isn't that a Gaga thing House of Gaga I don't know that she owns I'm pretty houses. sure we ripped off the H A U S from see it's it's impossible not to be meta. Anyway, if you're in it and you want to bring some friends over to the boss house, if you can share the show with a friend, that would also be really, really helpful and lovely and to just help grow this community of entrepreneurs that are building businesses together. Yeah. Swiper keep swiping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.